Welcome everyone. My name is Darren Snow and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois. And I am so glad that you are joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus called Walking in the Light. But what a blessing to have you with us if you're watching us online. Now, if you're visiting with us today, then that little video should help you know where we are as a church and the series that we are in. Uh, we are going all the way through the book of Ephesians. Now, we call it the book of Ephesians. It's really a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote a couple of thousand years ago to the church at Ephesus. There are six chapters in Ephesians. There's 155 verses, and we're going through literally every single one. And so that means that we're going to pick up this week where we left off last week, which is in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your B-I-B-L-E's, I want you to turn or tap. We're going to look at just three verses today, starting in verse 22. While you are doing that, uh, I'll make a statement here that if you call Crossroads home, you know this to be true. Uh, but we very strongly uh, believe that the Scriptures, the Bible, is uh, the inerrant, inspired, infallible Word of God. Oh, that's just what we believe. And, and because we believe that, uh, we unapologetically, hopefully with a lot of grace, hopefully with a little sense of humor, uh, but we unapologetically uh, teach it, and we teach all of it. We, we don't believe <clears throat> that Scripture is a buffet. There are times where we wish that Scripture was a buffet, and what I mean by that is, you know, you can go by and you kind of pick uh, the topics or, or pick the different things that you feel really good about, that you feel comfortable with, that give you a nice little warm fuzzy. That's great and wonderful, but, but Scripture is not a buffet, and that means that we reach down and, and we take hold of, of all of it because it is Scripture. Uh, the parts that, that we're comfortable with, the, the parts that sometimes we're not so uh, comfortable with, um, it's all of God's Word. Now, having said that, there are certainly different, uh, there are different texts, there are some texts that as a pastor, as a teacher, uh, are a lot more fun, maybe if I can use that word, a lot more fun than others. So, it, it, I mean, who, what pastor, worth their salt at all, doesn't get really excited when we get to preach about, you know, grace or mercy, salvation, obviously. I mean, think back to all of the incredible doctrine and theology that we were able to go through verse by verse, the first three chapters of Ephesians. And, and I will admit to you, I was a little bit jealous because uh, Pastor Caleb got to go, a couple of those, one, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I mean, you wake up in the morning as a pastor and you get to preach on Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is gift of God, et cetera, et cetera. Man, if you, I guarantee you, Pastor Caleb, he was licking his chops when he got up that morning, right? Okay, so that's, that's a lot of texts. But there are some, you knew where I was going with this, but there are some, all right, that you look at, especially when you're going through uh, and you're committed to doing every single verse in a book. There, there are texts that you look at and you go, oh, awesome. I get to talk about hell this week, right? Or money this week or biblical sexuality like we did a couple of weeks ago. And there are times where I think, you know, why didn't I have Caleb do that? You know, he had young buck, he, he needs the practice. Why didn't he do that one? Well, now, 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 you know I'm setting you up. Today, today might initially, initially um, seem like one of those days. But as with all topics, and it doesn't matter what the topic is, it really doesn't. As with all topics, once you dig in, what a shock. We see that God's perspective is always 100%. It's always right, and it's always true. 
So today, like always, like always, uh, but I want to encourage you, especially because of the topic today, I, I want you to um, forget for a moment any preconceived ideas that you might have. It doesn't really matter what I think. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter what we think. It really doesn't. It only matters what he thinks. Today is certainly a day to push aside what the culture thinks, because everything we're going to talk about today is 180 degrees from what we are told uh, in our culture, and rather, what does God think, and what is he trying to say to us through his word? Now, you know I'm setting you up for something big with that. Some of you have already looked at your notes, but here we go. We're going to look at three verses today, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22, 23, and 24, and right out of the gate, here we go. The Apostle Paul said, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Well, let's probably just stop right there. I could have kept right on going and kind of blipped through that, but I don't think I can do that. All right? Now, in the culture in which we live, that one verse, that one statement brings up a range of emotions. And how do I know that? Because I'm looking at all of you right now. Okay? Now, I'm not going to pretend to think what's going through the mind and hearts of, of the ladies. All right? Uh, for some of you that maybe have been believers for a while, maybe have heard biblical teaching on this topic, you just shrug in your shoulders and say, yeah, I get what you're about to say. Others of you, if you're maybe not a believer just yet, if you are newer in your faith, in the culture in which we live, that statement can be nothing less if not a whole lot offensive, actually. All right? Now, for the guys... Okay, ladies, let me, tell you what's going through the, let me tell you what's going through the minds of the guy. They, I guarantee you, none of the guys are going, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> the guys are as nervous as they can be. Bill's down here thinking, i got to go home with Jan today. What in the world is he going to say? All right, so let's all. I didn't have anybody walk out for service. All right, all right. I'm hoping that we won't have any, any this second, uh, second service. But, but we're just going to take a deep breath, all right, and we're going to lean into the Word. We're going to lean into the Spirit. And uh, we're going to see what God has to say. Now, uh, for those of you who call Crossroads home, you know context is a word you hear, Pastor, and I say all the time. And, and generally speaking, when we're talking about context, we're looking at a particular text and what's going on, maybe the couple of verses before or after. But today is a day where we need to talk about context in a much larger uh, time frame, if you will, Okay. Um, and this really does go all the way back to February, if you can believe. That's when we began this theological journey. We started this the end of February. And, and those first three chapters of Ephesians are just full of just incredible doctrine and theology. So I want you to think about this for a moment, the journey that Paul has had us on that goes back to that uh, first, uh, excuse me, the end of February. And, and just putting that together in a nutshell... Uh, we, we found out that we are, as Christians, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. We have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not by works, lest any man should boast, but all by the absolute grace of God. We are new creations from the inside out. Thus, stay with me, thus, our lives are now lived in willful submission. The life of a Christian, make no mistake about it, is a is a submissive life ultimately to him because he's God and we're not, okay? So that's the life of a Christian. From two perspectives, let me be, excuse me, just a little bit more specific. First, in submission to Jesus because we are submitting to his will in our lives. Jesus himself said, maybe you know this verse, uh, I think it's 
John 14, but don't hold me to that. Anyway, he said this. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must do what? You can say it. Say it. Deny himself. That's submission, Bill. If anyone would come after me, he or she must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. That's submission. So the life of a Christian is a life of yielding and is a life of submission. That's perspective number one. The second thing that we have seen in this journey over the last four or five months, whatever it has been, uh, has been that we also uh, are to submit as Christians to the bride of Christ, which is the church. And how many times, matter of fact, I think I touched on this last week, but how many times have we seen that we are to walk out uh, our, our faith and walk out our Christian lives in godly uh, accountability is a really good word, but a, 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 a godly accountability and submission to other believers. We talked about that in verse 21 last week, and we're going to come back to that here in just a little bit. Okay. Uh, also, oh, by the way, and I think, again, uh, Pastor Caleb talked on this uh, uh, a month or two ago, that as Christians walking and living in accountability to other believers and also using our spiritual gifts then to edify and to build up the body. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is that over the last, you know, however many months that Paul has laid this groundwork of spiritual submission, is what I'm trying to get to, and now he's going to turn the corner just a little bit, and he's going to move from a spiritual submission to a personal uh, or, or submission in regards to personal relationships. All right? So here's, here's the groundwork now for today plus three weeks. There's three sets of relationships that Paul speaks specifically to. The first is husband and wife. Also certainly applicable for those that are in a serious relationship. You may be husband and wife someday. So he's speaking directly to wives today. Next week, man, buckle up. He's going to be speaking to us. Okay. By the way, three verses to the women, seven verses to us next week, guys. Okay. Just, yeah. Okay. All right. Then he moves on to the relationships between parents and children. And then lastly, he's going to talk about the relationships between masters and servants. What we will pull out of that will be employer-employee relationships. Everybody with me? So that's where we are going to be going. But needless to say, he starts right here in verse 22, um, speaking to husbands and wives, and he uses that word. You notice the name of the sermon today? I chose that on That word, that word, verse 22, he says just as clearly as he can say it, he says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, when we get into a conversation of godly, loving, biblical submission, and we did last week, verse 21, again, we're going to come back to that, then it is imperative that we have an understanding what godly, loving, biblical submission is and what it is not. Because you just say just that one verse, to the world, to the culture, people flip out, right? So we have to have an understanding, what, what is it not? Well, to use some of the language I used last week, uh, it is uh, in no way uh, being a doormat. It is in no way being a, debt, a wet dish rag, excuse me, and I cannot underscore this enough. It in no way, shape, form, or fashion means uh, inequality at all. Let me make this, a scripture is just crystal clear. Men and women are created by God equally. And if you ever hear anything other than that, it is not of God, it is not of scripture. So God created man in his own image, and the image of man he created, male and female, he created them. I think that's Genesis 1.27, I think it is. Okay? So equality, period. Let me give you a couple other things. 
that biblical submission is not. It is not some kind of strict or rigid obedience. Like it's perfectly appropriate in two weeks when we talk about parents and children. When I tell my little two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter to do something, I expect her to do it. That's a completely different relationship, okay, than, than man and wife. So it is not that at all. It is not being submissive to anything, anything, I cannot understand, anything that would be considered abusive. Or submission to anything that would not be biblical. You with me? And I could go on and on. But those are some basics, what biblical submission is not. Now let's flip the coin. And what is godly, loving, biblical submission? Rather, it is the wife following, let's use that word, following, yielding, submitting to her husband's loving, godly, biblical leadership. Loving her every bit as much as Christ loves the church, which, oh, by the way, is where we're going to go next week. That's the charge that he's going to give to us as husbands next week. How are we to love our wives? As Christ loved the church. Man, it is a high calling. And what an incredible privilege it is. But loving our wives as, as, as Christ loved the church, that's not for the faint of heart. All right, so men, don't go fishing next week. All right, come to church. Because we need to talk about that and we will uh, do so. Now, let's do something a little bit different uh, this morning. And what I want to do is I want to give you three different models of marriage. The first two are very prevalent. No, that's not, that's not true. One used to be prevalent in our culture. The second one is very prevalent now. And then the third one we're going to talk about is the biblical model of marriage. Okay? Let me give you the first one. The first one is the top-down, let's call it the top-down traditional. Now, here you've got God at the top. Maybe yes, maybe no. Is it a Christian home or not? But then, clearly, look at there. You've got God, and then you've got the husband. And then underneath that, you have the wife. All right? So the man is the king of the castle. He rules the roost. And in this model, the woman is at least to some degree subservient. At least to some degree. And in this model, I would guess it's easy to lose um, your identity, easy to lose your voice, even to lose to some degree your sense of self-worth. And men, let's be honest. If you were the wife and that was the model you would live in, how excited would you be to get up every day? Because I wouldn't. All right? And oh, by the way, the reaction to this model uh, was the women's movement in the 60s and 70s where women just said, <laughs> uh-uh. Can't blame them. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, some not-so-good things came out of the women's movement in the 60s and 70s. There's some good things that came out of it, too, if you've ever studied it. But that was the reaction to it, where women just said, you've got to be kidding me. And they use a little more colorful language than that. Something's got to change. Now, what came out of that is what is incredibly prevalent today, which is this. 50-50 identical model of marriage. Now, here you've got God at the top. Praise God if it's a, if it's a Christian marriage, all right? Um, You've got the husband and wife, and notice that they are equal. Awesome, awesome. It's a partnership. 50-50, equality, equality, equality. And, of course, men and women are equal. So don't misunderstand that. All right? But lived out 
it really is not so much a quality as it becomes sameness that eventually will lead to, and those of you taking notes, you can write this down, but what will eventually lead to leaderlessness. Leaderlessness. It sounds great in theory, but it typically doesn't work out that way. Uh, th- th- from just a, a different part of life, do you know the, the uh, business model that um, I, I've read fails up to 90% of the time? 50-50 business partnerships. Jay and I go into business together, and, and it's all warm and fuzzies. It's awesome until Jay wants to go left and I want to go right, and then all of a sudden the warm and fuzzies go out. All right? Sounds really, really good in theory, but eventually reality sets in, and when it does, here comes the friction. Because when you're balancing leaderlessness with the realities of marriage, the realities of kids, the reality of vocation and jobs and all of those kind of things, it ends up becoming almost impossible. Leaderlessness. Okay, now let's look at the biblical model. Now, once again, we see God is exactly where he is supposed to be. All right, the foundation. Larry, let's leave this up for a while, if you don't mind, brother. Um, The absolute foundation. Now, I've talked to you many, many times before. Julie and I lived for the first, I don't know, 15 years, I don't know, 20 years, whatever it was, where, where, where God was not the foundation of our marriage. And now, praise God, we do. The difference between married life with Jesus as truly the foundation and not is night and day. Let me tell you, it's night and day. Now, here's what I want you to look at. You see that little arrow from the husband to the wife? That little arrow, okay, represents men, represents your initiative, your responsibility to leadership, your initiative. Godly, biblical, servant leadership. Godly, biblical, servant leadership. And the goal here is godly, biblical oneness. In the biblical sense. Let's go back to Genesis 2.24. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about biblical sexuality. This is, this is before the fall. This is the way God originally intended. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they, the two, shall become one flesh. If Pastor Juan was here, I would say from dos to uno. That's about as far as my, as far as far as my Spanish gets. The two shall become one flesh. I hope you're seeing now. This is completely, completely, completely different than when we say the word submission in our culture, which, oh, by the way, tends to emphasize the rights of the person who is in charge and who is in control. But when you look at biblical submission, control, seriously, saying control is not even a thought. Like it never even, it never even, control, something, it would never, it, it would never even, it becomes a thought when you're trying to live out Biblical submission and oneness. And saints, now we're getting back to how we started last week. This is why the Apostle Paul prefaced verse 22 with verse 21. What did he say in verse 21? (laughs) He said in verse 21, submitting to one another. 
out of reverence for Christ. Do you see how he builds on that? Is this, is this just happenstance that Paul wrote verse 21 before he wrote verse 22? Of course not. That's why I told you last week that, that verse 21 is the foundation for the next four messages, what he says, the balance of chapter 5, and then going into chapter 6. If you don't have an understanding of verse 21, some of this, even as Christians, still doesn't make complete sense. So I would say, if you missed last week, for whatever reason, go back and watch it. Because verse 21, he is setting that foundation. And so now we begin to see biblical submission as, and I'll use this word, I think it's appropriate, as beautiful. As the man, now stay with me, as the man, as the husband owns, in the full sense of that word, as he owns his biblical role as servant leader in the marriage covenant, even as the woman lovingly, willingly, biblically submits to his servant leadership. Now, he's not done yet, because to make sure that we get it, he's going to go a whole lot deeper. Right? Let's look at our last two verses, 23 and 24. Look at the illustration that he gives to us. Not just an illustration, the reality that he is going to give to us. Let's read verses 23 and 24. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife. Now, look here. Here's the comparison. Even as Christ, as Jesus is, the head of the church his body, and is himself its savior. Then he underscores it. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So let's unpack that. Jesus' role as ordained by God the Father is to be head of the church. And he willingly submits, God the Son submitting to God the Father, to live out, to play that role. He is the head of the church. And guys, the, the submission from the son to the father starts way before this. All right? It, it was a submission question and a submission issue, if you will, when, when God the father says to God the son, I need you to do for them, that would be us, what they could never do for themselves. And son, you are the only one that can do it. You're it. There is no other hope. Because you're the only one that can be the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. And because God the Son willingly submitted, it's what we call the incarnation, and a God became a man... And then ultimately, 33 years later, went to the cross. And because he willingly submitted to the Father and went to the cross, sin and death and Satan himself was defeated on the cross at the empty tomb. And out of that, the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, church was born. None of this. Saints, if, if, the, if the Son doesn't submit to the Father, we're not sitting here. I don't know what would have happened. But we would still be, if there were still human men, I don't know how that would play out, but we would still be sitting here dead in our trespasses and sin if Jesus did not willingly submit to the Father. Praise God he did. So, the church then is the beautiful, beautiful model of loving submission. Jesus is the head. Our role as followers of Jesus is to be a part of the body, willingly and lovingly submitting to to his authority in our lives. 
And so again, to wrap this part up before we head into the home stretch. So as Christians, as followers of Jesus, God the Holy Spirit living within us, we begin to understand the beauty of godly biblical submission to godly biblical leadership. Godly biblical loving submission to godly biblical loving leadership. This is the life of submission that all of us as followers of Jesus are called to. You with me? A couple of you are. Some of you are still processing, chewing. That's okay. It's good to chew. It's good to chew. Now, this is a topic, and there are many, that you can come in, you can hear, you know, hear the teacher, the preacher teach. And even if your walls were up, maybe they still are, but even if your defenses were up, your walls were up, when you begin to understand and hear from the word of God, it, it, listen, it never matters what I or Caleb have to say. The only thing that matters is what does he say through his word. That's it, okay? But you hear what God is saying to us through his word, you kind of begin to understand a little bit, and, and you might even walk out of here going, you know what, I, that actually makes some sense. Order and harmony in the family, which is really what he's talking about, the balance of five going into six. He's talking about order and harmony in the family, okay? So you can go home today and, man, it makes all the sense in the world, all right? But Monday morning always comes rolling around. And the realities of life always come rolling around at some point. Living it out Monday through Saturday is a lot of times a whole lot different than sitting here listening and even agreeing on a Sunday. Why is that? Because of this little bitty thing that God gave us, and there's a whole lot of times in my life I wish he hadn't given it, and that is free will. Don't you wish sometimes God hadn't given us free will? I'd have a lot less mistakes in my life, I will tell you that. Because let me just be honest, I've told you this before, I'll say it again. All right, in and of myself, in and of myself, even as a believer, I've got my moments like everybody else. In and of myself, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. In and of myself. Submitting, submission, yielding. I'm not so wild about that. Now, in and of myself, I can can do that for, I don't know, if Julie was here, I don't know what she'd say. I can do that, I don't know, an hour. A day, and there's no way I could make it through a week. There's no, there's, there's no way. The, the life of denying ourselves daily, taking up our cross and following him. Guys, we can't do it on our own. Can't do it. You can't do it. I hate to, I don't be negative, but you can't do it. And so what do we do? We lean into Jesus. We lean into the reality of God the Holy Spirit living within us. We lean into his word. We lean into each other. And we say, Lord, you know, I'm struggling, man. I'm struggling. God, I'm struggling. Help me, Lord. Help me have an open mind, a soft heart, a submissive spirit in a godly, appropriate way. Now, I would tell you, you know, I, I hope that, that you go home every week and, and, and you think about and you process, maybe you pray a little bit about, but you, but you have some conversation and if there was ever, a, whether you're married or not, oh, by the way, if there was ever a conversation to break the ice, and for some of you, you ain't going to break the ice. 
Sarah, I want you to turn to Paul today, and I want you to say, dude, what do you think about this? Seriously. And just be honest with each other. Newlyweds over here, Sam and Anna. Sam's going, why did I come to church today? <laughs> Luis and Lulu, go home, have some conversation. What do we do with this? What do we do with this? I want to end our time together. Give me just about four or five more minutes. With, with just some things that I wrote down that, that would be um, maybe a few thoughts of reflection, if not application. So as always, we open up God's word, we read it, we study it, and, and it's great, wonderful to have knowledge. Knowledge is awesome. But where the rubber meets the road is what are we going to do with this? Okay, men, let me, let me talk to you first, okay? Let me talk to you first. Here's the question that I, I, I want you to ask, not in a heavy-handed way, not beating yourself up. There's not a thing you can do about the past. Oh, I wish there was, okay? But there's not. But here's what I want you to ask yourself. Am I, I'm asking myself the same thing, am I exhibiting in my day-to-day -day life, the day-to-day nitty-gritty of life, am I exhibiting godly, biblical, servant leadership to my spouse? And guys, I mean, I can answer this question for myself, but, but where the rubber meets the road is, I go home to Julie and ask her, is she, is she going to give the same answer that I've given? Again, I'm, I'm not talking about beating yourself up. I'm just asking you, am I, as a, as a Christian man, am I exhibiting godly, biblical servant leadership? Taking my role as the spiritual leader of the family. Guys, this may, you may have never heard this before. But biblically speaking, and, and I say this whether, um, whether we like it or not, whether we're comfortable with it or not, a lot of times we're not. But biblically speaking, we are called to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. What an incredible opportunity we have. Responsibility, yep. But what an incredible gift that God has given to us. So as the spiritual leader in our homes... Let's ask ourselves, am I rejecting passivity? Am I accepting that responsibility? Am I leading courageously? And am I investing eternally? Guys, chew on that for a while. Have some conversation with your spouse. As awkward or even as difficult as that may be. Ladies, <clears throat> let me phrase this as a, as, a, as a question, but with a lot of encouragement. All right? When, not if, when your husband steps up to lead in a godly biblical way, the question is, am I lovingly submitting to that leadership? I'm going to tell you, ladies, listen, for the vast majority of guys, the thought of stepping up and leading our family spiritually, biblically, scares the blinkety bink out of most guys. I know it did me. I've told you this story before, but I'm going to tell you again. It's been a long time since I've told you this, I think. Um, but Julie and I get together. 
um, we're not living in any way, shape, form, or fashion for the Lord for many, many years. We are living very godless lives, very pagan lives, actually. Um, God got hold of both of us in our, well, me, me later, that's the point. He got hold of Julia a lot sooner than he did me. And spiritually speaking, this is the truth. This is not just, you know, embellishing a story. Spiritually speaking, she was about 100 miles ahead of me. She, she was so far ahead of me, I couldn't even see her. And that's the truth. And so then finally in my mid-30s, when, when God in his goodness and his grace and his sovereignty got hold of me and, and I began to get in the word and think back to a lot of the things that I knew that I was taught when I was growing up, um, and that reality that I'm supposed to be leading my family, we have two little girls at the time, and I'm not kidding you, how am I supposed to do this? She is so, she is so more spiritually mature than I am. How in the world am I supposed to lead our family spiritually when she just, not only does she know it, she's living it out. And we never had some conversation about it, but I look back on it and I see how gracious she was because she knew that I was uncomfortable, because she knew that she was so much further ahead of me, and yet she lovingly, willingly, graciously allowed me to begin to be the spiritual leader of our home. That takes humility, and it takes graciousness. And so I would just say, ladies, if, if, if what Julie and I went through maybe is kind of what you're in right now where you are so far ahead of your husband, but when he takes that step out, I guarantee you, he's going to be shaking in his boots to do it. Encourage him. He's going to stub his toe a time or two or ten or a thousand. Encourage him to be the man of God that he's being called to be. And then finally, for couples, whether you're married, boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe thinking about marriage someday, are we, submit, are we together submitting to Christ in all things? Are we exhibiting mutual submission in our marriage? If we have kids, are they seeing, oh, are they seeing, are they experiencing in the life of your family what godly submission in marriage looks like? Oh, saints, we have the opportunity to make an indelible mark on our kids that will last for generations. That is not hyperbole on my part. It's been proven statistically. We have the opportunity. When Ryan, who I know is a man of God, lives out his faith, that rolls for generations. They're watching us. And in the blink of an eye, they're adults. Doesn't mean we're going to do it perfect. We're not. But what are our kids seeing in the day-to-day nitty-gritty of life between us as husband and wife? I'm out of time. I want to pray for us. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray, then Pastor Caleb's going to come up, and he's going to uh, close us out. So, Lord God, I just come before you today just thankful for your word, how straightforward it is. We don't have to think about this one. There's 
I mean, there's not a lot of nuance in what you were saying to us today. It's, it, it's you know, it is what it is. And, and yet, Lord, I am so thankful for uh, how straightforward your word is. Lord, I pray for all of us. Uh, I pray for all of us, Lord, married, singles. Lord, I pray for, the, I pray for single women in, in this, that are hearing me. And, Lord, that they would have an understanding, that they would put in their minds and hearts, wait for that godly man. Wait. It's worth it. It's worth it. But, Lord, I pray for your grace and I pray for your mercy, Lord. Um, I ask, Father, that, that we would all spend some time today, this week, kind of chewing on this, processing this, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us. Lord, I pray for healthy marriages uh, in our church. Um, Lord, I, pr- I just pray that you're going to do a mighty work through your word today. And as always, we give you all praise, we give you all glory, and all the saints agreed and said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road, right here in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Walking in the Light.